Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Okay, Justin Trudeau is in town. He's brought a bag of money big, here with him. You know that election's coming, and we start spreading money yeah. around like this. Childcare yesterday, today's uh, Surrey Sky, and potentially Langley Sky. It will be extension. Langley. Like the mayor yeah. Langley is going to be yeah. there. Sky Train extension, big bucks. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting whether or not uh, he's going to be asked questions. Okay, uh, SkyTrain's great. What about Massey Tunnel yeah. uh, replacement? Uh, the just, wait for, just wait for that one. The appetite <laughs> is big for uh, transportation projects, and what better time than to offer money than on the eve of an election? Yeah, when the election's coming, that's when the money goes on the table, and the campaign hasn't even officially started, so wait until the campaign really begins. Fascinating. This is his first trip since uh, to yeah. uh, BC since the pandemic began. So 16 months ago, we're finally back into normal normal politicking. Yeah. When the election does happen, it's going to be an actual campaign. There's going to be events. There's going to be um, huge rallies. There's going to be all, all candidates meetings. It's not going to be a virtual campaign. It's going to be an in-person campaign. Uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was here in Victoria this afternoon. I'm going to go see him at uh, 1230. He's got an event uh, right close to here, actually. Um, okay. He's on Vancouver Island, hoping to pick up uh, to hold the seat of Victoria, which I think they will, they will. But also, the NDP wants that Nanaimo Ladysmith riding back in the the camp. That's the green, the green one, right? The now. Greens yeah. won that in a by election. The Green Party is in absolute turmoil nationally. They become sort of a joke, uh, be, uh, overcome with uh, you know charges and counter charges of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel uh, uh, and anti-Palestine. Just the Palestinian conflict has somehow taken over that party when it's got nothing to do with that conflict. Uh, but the NDP sees a, a way to strike there. They also want to pick up a seat from the Liberals in North Burnaby, where they've got a, a mm. local councillor, Jim Hansen, running there. So I think there's a number of ridings in B.C. that are going to change hands from uh, various parties. I, I think B.C. is a very interesting place to watch on election night. Okay, Justin Trudeau seems to be very chummy with John Horgan. Like, it was interesting I, to see them going for lunch at White o, Spot. Triple yeah. O uh, sauce there with uh, White Spot. Now it's, um, it's, uh, but I think there's a, it's been evident for some time those two have forged an alliance. They're each other's best friends. I mean, Horgan is the number one supporter of uh, Trudeau nationally amongst all the premiers. And I think Trudeau also sees uh, Horgan as a natural uh, supporter as well. It, it works both ways. I mean, Horgan wants stuff from the federal government. He wants money. And it's interesting, throughout this pandemic, uh, Adrian Dix, health minister, has never taken a shot at the feds. Yeah. He could have right. on a number of fronts. He could have taken a shot. Uh, he did, uh, at the very beginning, ask for the border to be closed, which but is he a did it, responsibility. But he didn't do it in a way like this sort of pointed partisan attack no, on them or something. No, not like Doug Ford or Jason Kenney right. or others who've taken real sh uh, shots at Trudeau. Uh, BC's never done that. And I think the payoff, we're going to see, we saw a bit of it yesterday with childcare money, and you're going to see it uh, less than an hour from now, less than a half hour from now, or an hour from now, uh, with hundreds of millions of dollars for SkyTrain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be huge. Um, let's listen to Trudeau yesterday. Now, here he is uh, on the child care announcement yesterday. This is a permanent partnership with minimum ongoing annual funding of $9.2 billion right across the country. Billion dollars. Carl Sagan moment there. <laughs> and there's going to be billions and billions, billions and billions of oh, dollars. Oh, man. The money is going to fly. You heard about politicians shoveling money off the back of a truck. This guy's using like an industrial leaf blower here. <laughs> there's going to be so much money blowing out the door. 
and this campaign hasn't even even started. I wonder if sometimes, just going back to the the Trudeau Horgan relationship there, I wonder if Jugmeet, speaking of Jugmeet Singh, I wonder if he gets a little ticked off seeing Trudeau snuggle, does. snuggling up here with Trudeau yeah. and going for white spot burgers and photo ops with him. Well, I'm I'm sure it's frustrating for Jugmeet Singh and the federal NDP to see such a cozy relationship between yeah. the provincial NDP and the. Uh, and uh, the uh, Trudeau government. But I've noticed uh, since the NDP came to power, they've shed their opposition mentality very quickly. They now are, they know they're the government. They know they have to deal with other governments, not with opposition parties. And that means cutting Jagmeet Singh and the federal NDP adrift. And it's, well, it's to their benefit. You know, if it means the money on the table for SkyTrain out to Langley, that benefits Horgan politically oh, as huge. well. Yep. Huge. And they want, again, but they're not going to stop at that. They want, they're going to be pressing uh, the Trudeau government for money for the Massey, tu- right. Massey Tunnel Replacement Project, which is a huge undertaking as well. And it doesn't stop there. I mean, there is to each other's mutual benefit for Trudeau right. and Horgan to cut deals on all sorts of things. Sure. I, I'm, I'm sure Trudeau will come back with another check for Massey Tunnel and who knows what else. I'm sure this won't be, you know, be many visits to him out here. Like, he's looking at seats, pick up seats. Can the Liberals pick up seats in Surrey, Langley area? Oh, sure. I think yeah. I think the Liberals can uh, are in a good position in BC. Uh, I think the NDP's in a good position. I think the Conservatives are the ones who have the challenge to, is to hang on to their seats and, and, and grow beyond what they've got. It's going to be. A ch- I think they're the ones. If you had a, pe- a pecking order here, I mean, the NDP and the Liberals were tied with uh, eleven seats each last time, and we'll see if one can outdo the other. Okay, let's talk about some of the changes at long-term care facilities yes. announced yesterday by uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix. This is a, something we've covered on the show uh, quite regularly. We've brought on, brought on a lot of long-term care advocates on the show who have mm-hmm. been asking for increased visitation rights to see their loved ones in long-term care. So a big announcement and big, big. changes yesterday. So here's Adrian Dix on that yesterday. Long-term care and assisted living workers will be required to report vaccination status to their employer. Workers that are not fully vaccinated will be required to wear a mask at work and be tested for COVID-19 using regular rapid tests. Volunteers and personal services providers entering long-term care settings must be fully vaccinated. Masks will be required for visitors who are not fully vaccinated. Masks will not be required for visitors who are fully vaccinated, except when traveling through common areas of a care home. Okay, it's interesting. Some uh, it's interesting to hear him say that if you work in a care home, you are not required to get the vaccine. But if you don't, you're going to face a lot of restrictions at yeah, work. Yeah, I think they realized they probably there was a legal challenge to make it a condition of employment. That's always been. Remember, years ago, the nurses brought a. Uh, complaint against the government for mandatory flu vaccines, and the government sort of backed off on that. Um, but so they've done a sort of an artful compromise here, which is if you work in a long-term care home and you don't want to be vaccinated, you're going to have some discomfort because you're going to be required to wear a mask all shift uh, for your entire eight-hour shift when it can be very uncomfortable in summer months. Also, you're going to get uh, tested three times a week. Yeah, with those, three times a week, a with rapid those swabs test. shoved deep into your nose. It's the most uncomfortable test you can imagine That's out there. the rapid test? Uh, yeah, and so it's, uh, it's, it's uh, and again, having said that, there's very few uh, people who work in uh, long-term care homes who have not been vaccinated. I think, at the remember, long-term care homes went first. Residents and staff, they were at the head of the queue. And I recall seeing a statistic somewhere like 91% uh, were vaccinated. It's really a problem in only a couple of homes in the entire province where there's a, a more than a handful of workers have not been vaccinated. I've got my mom's in a care home. I think it's 92% uh, vaccination rate there uh, for, for staff. I so wonder I, if it might even go higher. Like if people 
who work in a long-term care home, if they're not vaccinated, they might say, well, to heck with this. I'm not going, you know, if I got to wear a mask every single day, get tested three times a week. Get vaccinated. Why would you, why would you continue to do that? Yeah. So again, it's relatively few people. I think the real nub of the story yesterday was just opening up long-term care homes to unscheduled visits, which means you don't have right. to phone ahead. No. You're going to show up. Also, you can bring, you know, your, your kids, your, 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 your brother, your sister, and have a, a large visit. There's no limits on visitors. You can go into the room with your love, with your, with your grandmother, with your mother, your father, and have a visit without masks. You can hug each other. You can, you can socialize in a way we haven't done for 16 months. It was a huge announcement yesterday. It's going to affect a lot of people very, in very positive ways. You now, they can now have summer barbecues. They can have, uh, residents in a facility can now visit each other uh, from floor to floor. Uh, it's uh, it's opening up a significant in a significant way. What there are still restrictions. You have to wear a mask in common areas, uh, so it's not completely open. Even if you're fully vaccinated. Even if you're fully vaccinated. What if you're not vaccinated? Are you allowed to visit? Yes, you can. But you have to wear a mask yeah. uh, at all times. You can't take it off. Um, and again, the the uh, right now almost eighty percent of the population has uh, has been vaccinated with one dose. Uh, more okay. than 40% of the population have two doses. So, we're, again, we're talking relatively few people are, are covered by this non-vaccination. Okay. Um, I know you're a soccer fan. I mean, I'm a soccer fan, a fair weather fan. When the big tournaments are on, I love the World Cup. I love the Euros. I love and the Euro Cup. I'm super excited about England versus Italy in the final on Sunday. Have you heard the song, It's Coming Home? Mm -hmm. you heard this one? Okay, let's play a little bit of that. Here, and we'll, I'll explain it here in a minute. Here's It's Coming Home. It's Coming Okay, this is the song that's like taken England by storm. Now, they originally recorded that song in 1996 during the Euro tournament. And the theme of the song is the championships coming home. It's coming home to the birthplace of soccer. Of course, they didn't win in 1996. No. They haven't won since the 60s. 66. Yeah. So, but now that song is on the radio in, in England all the time oh. because they think now, this time, it's coming home. Yeah, it's Do you think great. they will it's, win? Do you think England will win? I think there's a magic quality of that team that uh, has never been attached to an English team for in, in generations. So I think I think Harry Kane, yeah. the bloody Harry Kane, <laughs> is going to score the winning goal. Um, All the Italian fans are throwing tomatoes. But, but you know, I love I love Italy too. I mean, you, yeah. commercial drive on Sunday is going to be electric. I mean, I'd love to be there, even though I'd be cheering for England, which is probably not the safest thing to do. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of pubs filled with uh, British fans. Okay, I, we got great coverage on that coming up a little later in the show. Yeah. We'll have some fun with it. I've got the you got uh, that reporter from um, uh, the, the, the Liverpool uh, reporter. She's with the Liverpool. Athletic UK. Used to be with yeah. the Liverpool Echo newspaper, and uh, she's a great young reporter who's going to be at the game in Wembley um, on Sunday. So I'll be speaking to her from uh, from live from uh, England. Uh, also going to speak to the manager of the Lions Pub in Cole Harbour. Also, the head of the Italian Canadian Cultural Center will also be on the show. Be in there expecting big crowds at both of these places. All right, welcome back. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Phone lines open 604 280 9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Kim in New West. Hi, Kim. Hi. I'd like to know your and Keith's opinion about the laser light that was shone into the Danish goalie's face. Yes. At the Euro, at the. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I saw that I saw that it was during the penalty kick that Harry Kane took and uh, you could see a laser light someone was shining it at the goalie's mm -hmm. face which is 
disgusting. disgusting. I mean, that is absolutely appalling and terrible. He didn't seem to react to it. No, though, and so. he didn't seem to say anything about it until it was until it emerged. So I don't. I'm not sure it had an impact. On well, he it, saved. It, it. He actually made the he save. He made the save. Yeah. And then Kane put in the it, rebound. It was the rebound. Uh, yeah. So no, I I don't think that played a factor in it. But obviously, that's terrible behavior. That's awful. And I hope there's no repeat of that at Wembley on Sunday because that is not sporting. At all. Well, you know. Also it's, dangerous. It's soccer fans are the worst when it comes to unsportsmanlike uh, behavior. Yeah. Um, there's racist taunting in, in various countries, it, uh, particularly in France and Italy, which are notorious for stuff like that. But uh, in British they fans, used to have the, the British yobs are notorious as well. Well, they used to have the hooligans. Yep. In, in in London, it seems like the you know the hooligans in soccer that's kind of gone down a bit in recent years. We haven't seen a lot of those big riots like they used to have. No, but still, I mean, pointing a laser pointer no, at the guy, come on. Yeah, really terrible, really bad. Donald in Delta. Hi, Donald. I just like to talk about this upcoming announcement about money for the extend the light metro out to to Langley. Well, first of all, that money for the feds have always been there. The trick is getting the province and translink to up their own portion. Because the, the, the standard payment is a third, 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 and this is what we saw happen in Calgary the other, the other week or so. But there's a joker in the deck with extending uh, the light metro to uh, Langley, is that the Expo line needs a $3 billion rehab. Yeah. The signaling is clapped out. The, it doesn't have enough power to operate enough trains to Langley. They've got to come up with a three billion dollars unless the feds announce anything to that type of money because they don't they don't pay for re- rehabs or maintenance costs they just pay for the infrastructure mm-hmm. so we have to come up with a huge sum of money or else what's going to happen sure you can extend it to Langley but you're going to have no capacity on the system because they cannot oh. operate the number of trains to carry the people they just can't okay. do it there's yeah, no the power it's, it's a good point the expo line is 35 years old uh it is aging it breaks down um far too frequently uh the millennium line and the canada line are obviously aren't in that situation but the expo line the caller's right i mean it does need serious upgrade and it's going to cost a lot of money but i wouldn't close the door to that no uh again the government the bc government has got a huge capital budget but the caller's right, it's not including yet a huge rehab of Expo Line. The other big ticket item, of course, is we mentioned the Ma- Massey Tunnel, but yes. there's also the Broadway subway line, which is yep. starting to begin, uh, about to begin construction. Well, there's more money probably coming, but if you think about what's the biggest political bang for your buck, is it upgrading an existing line or building a new line out to Langley building where he's trying line. to win seats? Yeah. I mean, that's just the political reality of it. Tim in Vancouver. Hi, Tim. Hey. Just a question for you. I see that Jody Wilson-Rabel, there's some rumors about her running for the mayoral candidate. She hasn't yes. announced it or whatever. But my question is, if she was to run, where do you see her lying on the political spectrum? Would she be closer to Kenzie Stewart or more rightist like the NPA? Like, there's a lot of divisive issues in that group by claiming his homelessness, so on and so forth. My question would, you knowing her about her, where do you think she would lie on that spectrum? Oh, I think she'd be closer to the liberal left than, sure. uh, than the right. Um, and it's very intriguing, the notion of Jody running for mayor. I think she'd be a formidable opponent for Kennedy Stewart, or for anyone for that matter. Uh, she adds, she would add some spice to that race. And again, I think Kennedy Stewart's made some serious missteps in this. He's, he's got some of it back, but um, you know he's done some controversial things. And uh, Jody wilson revolt you know, don't count her out. Well, I'll ask her. How about that? Yeah. She's on at 11 oh, o'clock. Great. Yeah, great. she's on at 11. So I will ask Jody I think she'll Wilson be coy. Rabel. I think she'll be coy. I, I don't think I'll get a straight answer no. out of her. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be a very attractive candidacy. 
But when I do ask her the question, I just signal to the listeners, listen closely to her answer and see if you get a straight, unequivocal answer or if you get the wriggle room. Well, okay? I think that's what well, you got to watch I, for. If I was advising her, I'd say uh, be ambiguous. Don't be definitive. <laughs> Keep everybody guessing. Keep the guessing game going because you get more publicity. That's the way the world goes around in politics. Exactly. Okay. Thanks a lot for all that. Thank you, Keith. All right. Talk to you next week. Go England, right? Yeah, go England. Go, England. go okay. Lions. Thanks a lot for all your calls. Didn't get through. Phone the buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ.